you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. Happy 100th birthday, Norman Lear, born July 27, 1922. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made my hit. Guys like me, we had it made. Those were the days. Who's Norman Lear, you ask? Who's Norman Lear? He is the groundbreaking TV writer and producer who created All in the Family, Maud, Sanford and Son, One Day at a Time, The Jeffersons, and Good Times. These are all shows that were groundbreaking in their time, if you don't know about them. They're the reason that on TV today we talk about abortion and racism he broke the ground on these topics, which were usually avoided on TV. I interviewed him back in 2019 for Veterans Day, because he is a veteran. That's uh, largely what we talk about in this interview. And at that time, he was only 97 years old. Mr. Lear, you joined as soon as you heard that Pearl Harbor had been bombed. What did you wind up doing in the war? I was in a B-17 in the 15th Air Force, which flew out of Foggia, Italy and uh, bombed Frankfurt and Hamburg and Berlin and all the uh, German cities. Can you give us some sense of what you were thinking when you were doing this? What the heck it was like for for generations who have no idea? I can give you, uh, this haunts me, what I'm about to tell you, to this minute. I was the radio operator. I operated the top gun on a B-17 flying fortress. Radio operator's position was closest to the bomb bay doors. So when we dropped our bombs, I was the only one who could see that the bomb bay was empty and the last bomb had left the bay and notified the pilot so he could close the bomb bay doors. So I watched our bombs fall out of our plane and gather with the bombs from the other planes and I'm watching hundreds of bombs falling. And I remember imagining a, a dining room table with a family sitting around it mother and father and four kids, let's say. And a bomb hits that kitchen and that table. And I remember as I'm watching the bombs fall and thinking that, and I remember thinking, screw them. I don't care. An hour later, two hours later, on our way back from the same mission, as I think about that moment, I would think, if somebody came to me with a paper and a, pe- a pencil and said, Mr. Lee, assign this, and you will forever mean you didn't care, I thought I could never sign that. But the fact is, it's never happened. I've never, it's never, I've never proved it to myself. The fact is, I felt screw them when the bombs dropped. And as I sit here at this moment, I mean, every once in a while, it, it, it Well, it's too strong to say it tortures me, but it troubles me because I can't can't be certain. Did you talk about the war with your kids or anybody after what you did? No, my kids are forever saying, he never talked, but you know, it's in passing when something relates to the war. Well, were were you one of those guys who just, you know, never talked about it, just held it all bottled up inside? Well, but that sounds like I held it up because I had to hold it. I mean, no, that's I what I'm asking. Though. Were you one of those? Or did I, you talk? I, no, I don't even. I don't know who they were. The, huh. One of those. Huh. 
I didn't happen to talk about it. A lot of guys didn't happen to talk about it. If they're like me, they just didn't happen to. They weren't holding on to something they couldn't deal with or whatever. I think that's bullshit. How often every day do you think about the war? How often every day? Oh, 30 times a day. I no, I don't think about the war <laughs> at all. Uh, certainly not every day. It comes up from time to time, and I think about it. It's it's also hard as I'm t t telling you these stories and thinking about it now, all these years later, it's hard to believe it was in the same lifetime. Sometimes I say, wait a minute, did I really go through that? Holy but I did. You know this. You're 97. When I grew up, we had World War I vets in my town. Yeah. And, and they were from late 70s up to the 90s. We, we had a guy in our town who was a drummer in, in, in World War I, Sammy Belsito. And then I kind of I watched him go one by one. My dad was in World War I. Yeah. So I have pictures of him yeah. in uniform. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking it's, it's, it's going to suck when you guys are not around anymore. <laughs> well, I don't know. There can't be that many around now at 97. I don't have a lot of 97-year-old friends. Yeah. In 2001, you bought one of the first published copies of the Declaration of Independence. You toured it around the country where yeah, millions of people got to be close the, to it. The uh, Dunlap Broadside. Yeah. Why'd you do it? I did it because, uh, you know, it was an impulse of the moment, just like uh, hearing the uh, Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor all those years before and instantly wishing to enlist. Uh, it has a lot to do with love of country. My father went to prison when I was nine years old. I was Jewish. There was a Father Coughlin on radio who was a vicious anti-Semite. My dad's away. I hear this guy. I learn for the first time that there were people who don't like me because I was born to a Jewish couple. At the same time, they were teaching civics in school. And I had learned by then already why I should love this country and did indeed love this country for, for its values, for its promises. Not all kept, but promised. And uh, that had to do with the Declaration of Independence, which you'd like me to read, and I'm thrilled to do so. I don't think there are words anywhere in, in the world I care more about. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. They mentioned happiness twice in there. I think happiness is an important word. And uh, a declaration that promises or, or, or seeks to promise happiness. You, you have to love the framers who gave us that document and those words and who felt that, that happiness is a, 
a gift. And something worth fighting for, to bring it back to Veterans Day, like you and millions did. Yes. You're going to read the First Amendment for us for our National Democracy Project. What do you think people need to understand about the First Amendment? Uh, That it is the First Amendment. It it is the the sentence that most identifies America and the American promise. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. I think it's the primary one because it's the one that uh, seeks to guarantee everybody has the right to speak their piece. Can I have dibs on the 100th birthday interview? Uh, You've got it. Thank you. I got as a matter of fact, I want the big guy upstairs to know I, I've already made a commitment for my 100th. Well, thank you, COVID-19, for keeping me from doing the 100th birthday interview with Norman Lear. But hey, if, if Norman Lear doesn't understand reruns, I don't think anybody will. Uh, let's go out on this edition of Off Ramp from Elias Studios. And by the way, I'm John Raby. Thank you very much for listening. With one of the best recordings of a TV theme song ever from one of Norman Lear's signature shows, you're Sammy Davis Jr. Lady Godiva was a freedom rider. She didn't care if the whole world looked. And Joan of Arc with the law to guide her. She was a sister who really cooked. And Isadora was the first prop burner. And ain't you glad that she showed up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And when the country was falling apart, Betsy Ross got it all sewed up. And then there's Maud. And then there's Maud. Then there's Maud. Demonstrated, super civil, liberated, right on, Maud. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.